Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm Michael Dow. Trying to hold down half the show here with my good friend, Sue Timberlake. Hey there. (laughs) Sadly, John can't join us tonight. But uh, yeah, welcome to Civil Politics. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us about what we're saying or doing, we'd love to hear from you. And you can email contact at civilpoliticsradio.com. Uh, which is, of course, our own special website, which has recordings of previous episodes of the show and other good stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. So, um, Sue. Uh, what on a, a day. <laughs> what a day. So, um, uh, former President Donald John Trump has once again uh, been indicted for various federal crimes. These are These are new federal crimes. But these have been a long time coming. This is four different counts uh, stemming from the aborted coup on January 6th of 2021. Um, You know, I'm pleased. It's, you know, this is absolutely a a warranted and appropriate thing to do. Uh, You know, Mr. Trump, uh, it's obvious to me that he's been doing, that he's, Absolutely. Uh, uh, bleh, sorry. It's obvious to me that uh, he's he's guilty, basically, you know, like I I I watched with my own eyes as this stuff was happening. So, you know, it's it, it's not in any way doesn't seem in any way a reach to me. Um, but I mean, I am a registered Democrat. So you as a registered Republican, uh, I think you basically agree with me, though. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Bragg indictment in New York is kind of borderline. And Mm. I think the um, documents indictment in Florida is real and should have been pursued. And I think this absolutely is key to us maintaining our democracy, if only to prevent somebody from ever trying to do this crazy stuff again. I mean, I, I, I think, well, I'm, I'm really thankful to the January 6th committee because I think uh, Merrick Garland may not have pursued this if they hadn't exposed the, you know, the three sets of plans, you know, the three approaches to, Mm. to try and overturn the election. I mean, it was quite the conspiracy if you look at it and the January 6th folks, if you follow that closely, You'll pretty much know what's in the indictment. There's a few twists and turns in here, but the the overarching plan you could see in the January 6th hearings, and it was a concerted plan. It wasn't just, you know, things happened and then it was hockey and a fight broke out. It's like, no, (laughs) this was orchestrated, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's 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 real. I think it's very real. And I think I think they're going to have trouble um, finding him guilty. So I. You, th- I, you think I, they'll have trouble finding him guilty? I think so. And part of the reason is it's uh, it's in D.C. She's a really good judge, the judge that's going to be in charge of it. She, Do you know what she spent her time before she was a judge doing? She defended do white-collar criminals. Yeah, white-collar criminals. She defended them. She was a defense okay. attorney. Mm, okay. Um, and so she's very much in tune with making sure that the defendant gets a fair trial. 
And mm-hmm. um, she she wasn't there today in the indictment. That's a magistrative judge mm-hmm. that did the indictment today. But mm-hmm. they sent the date of August 28th. I don't know if you heard that for them to come I back mm-hmm. and say, OK, this is you know, this is how many documents there are. And it's going to take us six months to read it. The defense is going to say so we can't really do this till after the election. But you know, the prosecutors are going to press for it. But I think that's very interesting because, um, well, the reason I think they're going to have trouble finding him guilty, I heard, I forget who the lawyer was, but in section 54, if anybody printed it out. Well, hang on. I just, just so you've, you actually, unlike me, read the whole indictment. I did. <laughs> like I, I skimmed the summary and the highlights in part because like I was paying some attention to January 6th hearings. So I'm like, okay, yeah, you this recognize is a lot of it. Right. Yep. Right. This yep. is like, you know, like the fraudulent slates of electors trying to get state officials to say, nah, on second thought, nah, um, you know, or getting uh, Vice President Pence to say, "Ooh, geez, this actually does smell kind of hinky. So uh, I guess I'll just have to use my constitutional power to like throw everything Send out it back and, to the states right yeah, or, or whatever it, um yeah. right so uh and then and, sending the crowd to try and prevent it from happening so right. yes and, it was, and that's not actually in this indictment i don't believe like, so like he, no he they said he took advantage of basically used used them but he, they didn't charge um seditious conspiracy or insurrection or incitement or that. and i yeah 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 incitement mm-hmm. And I think he didn't because that's actually kind of hard to prove. But the reason I think you're going to have trouble with this, and and this is okay. a little complicated, but bear with me. Um, and I heard a lawyer explain it. I had to go look at it for myself. So what they're arguing, you know, and all those things, and we should probably talk about all the other things. Um, the memoranda involved evolved over time, I'm reading, from a legal strategy to preserve the defendant's rights which is perfectly legal, you know, going of to course. court, going to this, into well, a corrupt and, and actually, plan. one of the things I was trying to, I, I just sort of wanted to, to at least name check, uh, yeah. is that you and I have just some real common values, despite our political and, and philosophical differences. And one of them is you and I are firm believers in the idea of the rule of law and law and order, you know, like, and we, constitutions. Right. <laughs> yes. As a society, we say, look, this is what we're going to do. We try to give a lot of latitude to people to, to live their lives as freely as they want. But there are guidelines, there are limits, and we all, you know, and we can shape them as a as a collective democracy. But there's stuff that's out of bounds, and you have to respect those boundaries. And 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 I think you and I agree on that. And I think well, and this is and, and I think you you and I think you would agree that like. It, like this prosecution is not a violation of those boundaries. It's not like I'm Joe Biden. I'm really sweaty and worried here. Oh, uh, I'll have the Justice Department just cook something up uh, Nixon style. And uh, yeah, that's it. I'll keep I'll get Trump out of the election that way. Like that. That isn't what's going yeah. on. I, I don't know. I think Mer- I think they dragged their feet. I think it would have been a lot better if this was a year ago than right now. This is terrible timing. But anyway, let okay. me read this sentence. Please do. This, yeah, this not, please do make your point. I just I wanted to <laughs> establish, you know, for you know, for our listeners, if somebody who might be coming to the show new, like you and I are on the same page here, even though I think we will uncover at least some differences in our approach or evaluations of yeah. what this is. Yeah, One, I'm which a real is Republican. You, 
Yes, yes, you are. And uh, and one of them is that you are much less sanguine about this working than I am, clearly, because I'm like, oh, yeah, this 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 is just a matter of getting a jury together and presenting the evidence and woo, it's done. So uh, tell me why I'm wrong, you know, about this. So, so, so prosecutor, special prosecutor Smith himself, this is his language. Mm-hmm. Um, the memoranda, they're talking about the memoranda that was describing how they were going to get to you know, get to Trump still staying in office. Mm-hmm. The memoranda evolved over time from a legal strategy to preserve the defendant's rights. So that would be to preserve Donald Trump's rights to question the election, which he has every right to do. And, into and should do, a, absolutely. Into, it evolved uh, going forward, into uh-huh. a corrupt plan to subvert the federal government function by stopping Biden's electors' votes from being counted and certified as follows. And then it gives all the detail. So what they've got to prove, because they're basically acknowledging that he had a right to try and preserve his rights. Mm-hmm. And that it, if, if you look at that, he could have been doing that in his own mind in a very fair way. You know, that Trump sure. was thinking, I have, a, I have a right to do this. I have an absolute right to do that. In fact, I should fight on every level that I can fight to hold on to the, you know, the election, if I can, if I can do that into a corrupt plan and that ability to show that it, that it was a corrupt plan is going to be a little tougher because they are acknowledging it's sort of like you have a right to free speech. So all my party's going crazy saying, Oh yeah, free speech. They're trying to cut down. This has nothing to do with free speech. It has to do with actions. Um, it's it's sort of saying it started, you know, when you start and look at the first ones, they were fine. What they yeah. were trying to do was okay. It was like an alternative slate in case a state turned back their votes. But it turned into a plan at the end where they were sending the fake electors to Pence. And I think to some degree, they've got to prove a little bit what was in Donald Trump's mind. And that's that's going to be tougher. It's going to be easier maybe in D.C., but it's it's sort of that's that's the, that's the tipping point. You know, those memoranda yeah. were perfectly fine when they said in the case that, you know, we'll send the electors in case. And also the part was doing telling Pence to just stall and delay. You know, it's sort of like when Bush went to the Supreme Court and got got the Florida votes thrown out. You know, he was within his rights to do that. I don't like it. I don't like it that the Supreme Court stopped counting when they should have just counted all the Florida votes in the Bush v. Gore. But it, it's that's the tipping point. It's like starting with you have every right to fight tooth and nail and use everything that you have in your arsenal to, boy, this tipped over into a corrupt, a corrupt plan. So. Yeah. I'm 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 wondering how the jury's going to handle that, and you know the the Trump folks, the defendant, Ms. Um, Barr is going to really try and get people that are um, susceptible to that argument, and For you know sure. the prosecutors going going to try and get people that you know think, boy, we almost lost our democracy. <laughs> This is this is really this is frightening stuff. It's really frightening. But boy, did the January 6th committee do a good job. I think they're just they they laid it out in spades. And if they hadn't done that, I don't think Marlon uh, Merrick Garland would have would have pursued it. He wasn't doing anything. Well, you guys know that. Well, you were frustrated uh, with him a little bit. Everybody thought he was doing something behind the scenes. Right. It turns out he wasn't. 
Yeah, I'm not, yeah, it does seem like he was he was letting the uh, the congressional uh, committee carry a lot of the water for him, um, which on the one hand is, you know, like, why stick my oar in when other people who have subpoena power are doing all this work? And then I can just sort of go in after and and look and see what's, you know, where they haven't brought things to light and 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 pursue that with the you know power of a grand jury. Um, I I think I would agree that um, uh, he should have appointed a special counsel sooner. Like, I think if he'd yeah. appointed a special counsel uh, last year, well, he did appoint one last year, but I mean, like at the like at the beginning of 2022. Um, yeah. As the congressional as the January 6th committee was starting to uh, to really do its work. Um you know the 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 special prosecutor could have uh you know still subpoenaed yeah well, could have subpoenaed people but also they they could have hung back they could have just been like yeah we're just going to i'm just going to sit here and take notes while congress asks questions and yeah. i can circle back later but you know this is all you know testimony for congress and so um and also like uh, uh it meant that if congress wanted to offer some kind of uh, immunity deal, there would already be somebody from the Justice Department who was specifically tasked with dealing with that to, to be there. Yeah. So, but well, I, I, I am a little reluctant to criticize the Justice Department, uh, what they were doing behind the scenes, because it being behind the scenes, like I. Oh, good point. I, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> But I don't know. Whatever they did, they could have done more. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and you don't want a congressional hearing of the witnesses because they contaminate each other's testimony. You know, to some degree, the ability to get people in a room with secret testimony is is key to sort of proving who's lying. You know, mm, they never let yeah, witnesses true. conspire and all that. They let that go for so sort of like the documents that the archives just didn't want to deal with it. And they let that go for what year and a half, two years, year and a half, anyways. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Uh, well, I you know, and the National Archives, like their job is like, look, we're just trying to preserve the documents. Like it's not our job to look after national security. So that's that's well, somebody else's shame on Homeland Security for not knowing he had them. I mean, they must anyway. Yeah, this, that's pretty broken. That that system's got to be pretty broken. For him to walk off with plans for invading Iran and or whoever, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But homeland, well, yeah, homeland security as a organization is a whole other can of worms that I would love to talk about uh, at length at some point. But just just from the get go, the whole idea of like merging all these different federal bureaucracies that I I think should be separate because they have different goals and putting them together under the the disquieting rubric of homeland security, you know, it's like, you know, that. It's out that of the just, 1940s. <laughs> it's out of the 1930s. It's it's the kind of thing. <laughs> 30s, okay. It, it is absolutely the kind of uh, rhetoric that, uh, you know, uh, Mussolini, Hitler, and Franco would have all been like, oh, you know, <laughs> sounds pretty good. <laughs> we believe in homeland security. So. Um, you yeah. know, Marshall Patan. All, picked all that those yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, it's like Carl the, Rove you, and, the, and the Bush people. So, <laughs> you know, Dick Cheney. That's do, you remember, 
Do you remember when that we were trying to help Iraq do a new flag? You know, after we invaded them and got rid of their all their folks, and we made a mess of it. And I, it, I don't remember that, but it, I'm sure we made a mess of it. <laughs> yes. Well, here's what we did: they, they, whoever helped them quote design the new flag, didn't talk to the Iraqis, and it it had the colors of like Israel. And they went ballistic. They're like, no, we're not, you know, we want Iraqi colors. But the first the first draft was it it resembled the Israel, Israeli flag. It was horrible. It was Amazing. just like Amazing. Who, who are these people? Who are these people? Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Don't well, get me going. <laughs> right. So so that's uh yeah, that was certainly a, a, a big mess. So um yeah, I, I, I and we shouldn't to talk remember. about Israel and their their yeah, their clinging that, to their democracy. Let, too. Let's <laughs> let's get to that in the second half. I think let's cling to our democracy first. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm with you. But I well, I would say um, I seem to recall reading sworn. You know, he, he, coming out of the January sixth hearing, I seem to remember there was testimony of people saying like, you know, I told Mr. Trump in no uncertain terms we've lost the election. There's, there's nothing there. You know, our people have been looking into this and there's been no irregularities. There's just nothing to work with. And, and the president's saying, yeah, but let's do it anyways. And uh, yeah, I think one yeah. person said like, can you believe I lost to this effing guy referring to Joe Biden, you know? And it's yeah. like, okay, well, that certainly sounds like an admission that, that he lost. Yeah. Cassidy Hutchinson. I think that was, well, she's not sure. quoted in here. It's very interesting. Um, it's, it's all the first, first persons. It's actually, he must've gotten, you know, the, the, you know, she reported at Cassidy Hutchinson in the January 6th. She reported that somebody said that, or she heard it firsthand. Um, this indictment actually has the people reporting their conversation Ah, and they have that documented. So it's not hearsay. It's all first first person so i think that's the strength of this indictment well if um, they've if they've got know. the person trump actually said that to directly that's better than someone yeah. who was in the room or you know you know listening to the conversation though i i think an administrative aide saying like yes so as i was there the principals talked about this uh, that might hearsay is a complicated Not thing being- I, I don't know. Yep. There's tons of exceptions, but you know, there's a reason why hearsay testimony is actually not acceptable. So I don't know. But uh well, I, and they have the four the four foundations of evidence, and I'm not gonna do the four because I can't remember them, but one of them is that somebody heard it firsthand, um, that there's a letter or a document that supports it, and that or that there's contemporaneous notes. That's always one that you bring up that somebody made contemporaneous notes. Yeah. Like they obviously have Pence's notes because what yeah. Trump said to him is pretty clear in the indictment. And it's over and over and over again, pushing him to do, you know, stall or delay or take the other electors or it it's really. And then they have the part where um, Trump and Pence have a meeting, I think on the 5th or 4th of January. Mm. And Trump says, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to, criticize you, which I imagine is euphemism for what he actually said. And that's yeah. when the Secret Service upped the protection of Trump. I mean, of Pence. Because oh, really? they were really fearful. Yeah, that was the night. It was like the fifth before the sixth when Pence said one last time, yeah. I'm not doing this. It's not legal. Yeah. And uh, he's I actually don't... stronger in this than, and you know, he'd never been under oath before. 
So mm. this, this is pretty good. So, I mean, if you enjoy reading these things, um, like I said, it's, it's the same pattern of January 6th, but this has the evidentiary detail in it. What phone call, who talked to whom, what did they say? So they clearly got a lot of, I bet you a dollar Mark Meadows is um, cooperating. No bet. I would guess. Because I've that's <laughs> no bet. Every yeah. every expert I've seen sounding off on this basically has uh, thinks the same. Um, I did, you know, and I've seen you know a number of breakdowns. Uh, there was a fellow on Slate who talked about uh, how it was an excellently crafted indictment, in part because uh, it charged Mr. Trump with, you know, the four the four charges are all connected to, uh, you know. Uh, trying to subvert the election in a few different ways um, and conspiring to do so. Um, and that uh, because it doesn't actually level a charge against anyone else in this indictment, there's no sort of shenanigans with co-defendants getting in the way and 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 adding yes, delay speed. to it. It's focused on just Mr. Trump and it's focused on just yeah. these actions leading up to the insurrection. So but there's no, you know, there's no charges relating to the speech he gave at the mall or, you know, anything, you know, the tweets he he sent out or and didn't send out on January 6th itself, um, any yeah. foot dragging by the Department of Defense to actually deal, you know, to support the Capitol Police. All of that is not in this indictment. So, um, and you can see after yeah. after the fact, they'll probably go after the six conspirators. I you would know, they imagine will, they will at some point, but not not now. And who knows? Some of them may eventually flip if they haven't already. But yeah, Pence obviously cooperated, and uh, Mark Meadows, and he hasn't been seen or heard from. So, who knows? Maybe Putin no. got him. Just <laughs> kidding. Be. <laughs> well, Mr. Pence, uh, Mr. Pence certainly, um, I, yeah, he didn't face any danger of criminal prosecution. So uh, him participating is just, you know, I have to commend him for his sense of civic duty and doing what's right if he's, you know, testifying under oath and whatever. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the uh, six other unnamed co-conspirators winds up being giving evidence in this trial to sort of save their own necks at a later date. We you, they figured out the press has figured out who most of them are. It's very fun. Yeah, they they you know, they they list them, you know, and it's Giuliani, um, uh, Eastman, Sidney Powell, and and they explain why because in the text of the indictment it quotes them. <laughs> yeah, it says you know conspirator number two said blah blah blah, and you go back to the January sixth record and. Oh, Eastman said that. Yeah. <laughs> so the press has figured out who it is. There was a thing on December 23rd. Again, as you said, thanks to the January 6th Congressional Committee. Yes, yeah, they yeah. they did. I mean, I I have to say that Lynn Cheney hasn't always been my favorite, but thank God she blew up her her career to do this because it's really it's a really important thing for the country. So yeah. this, this and is her cute. participation you, you added like, important legitimacy to the committee in doing that work. So yeah, I agree. Yes. So, yeah, and sorry. you know McCarthy is, uh, you know my party right now. I don't know where they are. Oh, Pence has gotten a lot stronger in his words today. I don't know if you've heard him on. No, uh, I haven't seen anything any from pieces. him today. No. Yeah, he's standing a little straighter. I don't know why. I guess oh, because good. it came out from the uh, special prosecutor. But on the December twenty third, this is in the wind up. You know, after the election of Biden, but before he was um, anointed. 
um, mm-hmm. they had a memo called Operation Pence Card, and it was all about how Pence had to do this. It was, you know, so they obviously have these memos and things in the in the evidentiary space. So that's really something. Hmm. Operation Pence Card. So that you know they would that was going to be if nothing else worked they were going to get him to to do something else so to really, to monkey wrench the proceedings in the Senate yeah. when they when the joint session of Congress you know which is yeah. essentially like the, the argument always had like a veneer of plausibility because it says you know he's supposed to preside over this and it doesn't specifically say and this is just a rubber stamping. Um, so and it you says know, resolve con- conflicts, so right, but well, my my party is raising an raising an issue that during the election of JFK, there were some fake electors that were produced, and I don't have all the details on it. One one argument was that it was people in the southern states that did it. There's another argument that it was a Hawaiian thing that they did to to make sure that JFK was elected. I don't know the history of that, but my party is just running wild with it. I that, thought it you know, was voting the, the graveyards in Chicago, I thought was the, was, you know, <laughs> no, it has been the lot of hurt since times. I was a kid, you know, like, you know. <laughs> you know. This was a fake elector scam, which I had never heard of before. So I don't, I don't know. I think there might've been something that happened in the South, but the, my party's arguing that it's something that happened in Hawaii that they did. I, so I don't know. I, I don't know any, it, anything about that. One thing I do wonder is uh, the slates, uh, you know, the alternate slates of electors. And this is something that's just occurring to me to wonder. But, you know, when a, when a state has a, a presidential election and we cast our ballots for, you know, candidate A or candidate B, what we're really doing is we're casting our vote for a slate of electors so that if you know, Joe Biden gets more votes than Donald Trump in Massachusetts. The nine electors from the state of Massachusetts all are going to cast their vote for Joe Biden. Whereas if it were the other way around, we'd elect different electors to the Electoral College and they would vote for President Trump. So Unless, I'm just right. Well, what yeah. I'm wondering Unless is faithless. right. Well, well, and there's that's a whole other issue. But what I'm wondering is. Uh, were the alternate slates of electors advanced by uh, the conspirators in this, in these shenanigans leading up to January 6th, were they just the slates of electors that were already stipulated and they just got them together and said, Hey guys, pretend you actually, no. we actually won. So they're different electors. So they don't even have the legitimacy yeah. of being like the of other slate of kind. electors. Right. Yep. That, Oh, that's not good. So. Yeah, it's pretty and it's pretty intense talking about how how it was done because there were seven states and they kept adding states because um, some of the states refused. So yeah. they were trying to do it in the states that were close so that they could make the argument that the election could be tipped. But at the end, they were just adding states so that they had enough. Yeah. So it was, you know, clearly, I mean, like I said, it's laid out uh, pretty well. I don't know if I have the seven states. I might have it quickly. They're the states you would you would probably guess. Well, it was uh, Arizona, Arizona, Georgia, Georgia, uh, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Those were the ones at the end. Yep. But, and you know, Michigan. A lot of them didn't didn't go along with it, but they would just say, "Oh, yes, they are." You know, yeah, the everybody's everybody's on board. So they were trying to get people to yeah 
to to carry on, or they say, yeah, we're just going to use them if if the if the electors are turned back. We're not really going to use them, you know. Sort of like George Bush when he said, I'm not really going to go invade Iraq. I just need the I need them to know that we could. And then the minute Congress passed it, he invaded it's, he invaded right. Iraq. Similarly, but, you know, a lot of those yeah. folks felt in the Senate and the House they felt um, duped. Because they said it was a threat, not a promise. Yeah. <laughs> it was so that we could act as one to get the biggest yeah. response. And then he, he used it to invade. So. Well, you know, yeah. never trust a Republican, Har. Anyway, um, <laughs> on, on that cheery note, uh, we do have to take a short break and play some PSAs, promos, and station IDs. We'll be back with more civil politics in just a couple of minutes. So please don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in the CD or tape player, each week presenting shows which can at times be organized and orderly, and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. Welcome back to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM out of Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still Michael Dow. I'm still doing the show with my good friend Sue Timberlake. And um, hey there. yeah, hey there. <laughs> so um uh I think we kind of have, like obviously watch this space for more uh of us opining about uh the indictments of former President Trump and how those trials are gonna go and what it'll mean for our country. Um uh and, you know, they'll probably at some point we'll speculate about what it'll mean for electoral prospects for various candidates and whatever. Uh, at, at the moment, it doesn't seem to have really done much to hurt Mr. President, uh, hurt Mr. Trump's um, election campaign. But, you know, we'll we'll see how things actually look in 2024 before we start to. You know. He spent over 40 million on lawyers, so he's yeah. he's going through cash pretty fast. And and you know at this point they still haven't set a, a trial date for this new indictment. Um, you know if they can if they can start a trial in say six months, you know say next February or March or something, then that's uh, that's plenty of time to get it done before the election. But uh, Mr. Trump doesn't want to do it that soon, and we'll see how the motions play out and what the judge does and whatever, because obviously. Yeah. Every defendant has the right to a speedy trial. They, you know, we, we can't just sort of throw people in prison or whatever, or have it, charges hanging over them indefinitely, like a sort of Damocles. But at the same time, people still do deserve a right to have adequate time to prepare a defense. So, and 
much as I personally dislike Mr. Trump, I absolutely do want all of his rights properly respected and observed. Um, By the way, I've heard that the right to a speedy trial, there were lawyers fighting about that today on um, C-SPAN, and they were saying that the right to a speedy trial also applies to the public, that the public has a right to a speedy trial, which I've never heard before. And um, I thought that was very interesting. And that in D.C., it might be 100 days instead of 70. That's sort of the expected turnaround. So we'll see. I I certainly, I think, you know, timely, you know, prosecution of criminal charges is, I think, in the public interest. I don't know if it's a right in the same way that we have an individual right to, you know, to, to, you know, to the habeas corpus protections, you know, like ultimately that's about protecting uh, an individual from the power of the many. Um, but yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yet another thing I'm not an expert lawyer. on. <laughs> that, yeah, and, yeah? And, okay. and they were fighting about it. I mean, it wasn't uncontested, but it was like, it was a pretty serious expert saying the truth is it's actually the public's right to a uh, speedy resolution of this as well. So anyway. Well, it is absolutely, I, I, I'm I'm 100% certain that uh, a lot of the early jurisprudence in thinking about this was focusing on, you know, an individual defendant's rights to not be chucked in a prison and, and held there for, you know, years on end before they get to trial. Because that's, you know, that's that's the kind of thing you, you might do at a, I don't know, a, a black site like Guantanamo Bay or something <laughs> like that, uh, which held is totally charges. Right. Exactly. That's just you can't. There's no way that's legal in the United States or under U.S. law. So. That's not something we need to worry about at all. Oh. Well, Georgia, you know, who's also got a case that they're, they've had a grand jury and they may indict him at any moment. It's, it um, seems the like you're Ge- leaning that way. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Georgia sheriff said the other day, oh, well, you know, here in Georgia, we're going to treat him just like we treat anybody else. Fingerprints, mugshot, blah, blah, blah. And Good. people went crazy. Yeah. He said that when he's here, he's going to get a mugshot because nobody's taken a mugshot of him yet of Donald Trump and all his adventure. And then the, uh, uh, somebody from the government said, no, the judge gets to decide that, not the sheriff. <laughs> but I thought, oh, that's interesting. They're getting ready for the indictment down there. So, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, who, I have no idea. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I mean, like that's a matter of state law and yeah, you know, that's 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 administrative procedural weeds and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Um, look how the sheriff feels in Georgia. It's like, hmm, that's interesting. Well, <laughs> and I don't know anything about the Fulton County Sheriff. For all I know, he's an ardent Republican. But, uh, you know, it's certainly a good rhetorical pose to to stake, even <laughs> if one, you know, firmly is in firmly in President Trump's camp. To be like, but, you know, of course, we respect the rule of law and we'll treat all defendants equally and impartially. You know, I'd like, you know, like if if you want to make a claim that the Democrats are being partisan hacks in bringing these charges, you know, in a Democratic Justice Department, bringing these charges against uh, Mr. Trump, uh, it's still, a, you know, part of the the your moral high ground to criticize them is to is to say, but of course, we believe in impartial standards and yada, yada, yada. So. Um, and yeah. and and actually, I suppose in the interest of I don't know, it's not exactly fairness, but uh, uh, it seems kind of related. So we should at least mention it briefly. Um, uh, the as far as I know, the uh, plea deal for uh, um, President Biden's son Hunter is still uh, being negotiated. Uh, 
uh, we didn't talk about it last week, but the uh, the judge in that case, uh, there was a, uh, a hearing about that. And at the hearing, uh, it was clear that the Justice Department and Mr. Biden's attorneys had different views about what the plea agreement meant and what it covered and uh, what kind of protection from further prosecution it gave. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't. Prosecutors said none and Biden's team said, no way. It's everything. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, cause there's other pending investigations that are not affected by, yeah, it was horrifying that they hadn't, they hadn't right. spelled that out. And, Good and I, her, I, I completely, she, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and she, I, she nailed it. I Plus certainly they put her in the, yeah. they put yeah. her in the middle of deciding if he breaches it. Right. Instead of the that was that was well, it was that was a big part of the issue because that is actually a as she said, like that's a function of the executive branch, not the judicial. I'm in the judicial branch. Don't make me the person who's overseeing this. But the the logic of that uh, of of that unusual move was well, if the Justice Department, um, if there's another election, and you know there is another election, and if President Trump is reelected. Then all of a sudden he's overseeing how the Justice Department, you know, handles all this. And that could be really bad for, you know, Hunter Biden. So it should be somebody who won't be a political apparatchik of Donald Trump, which is not an empty concern, certainly. (laughs) So, But it shows what they feel about the Justice Department. That's bad. Well, that's the problem is that people are not trusting the Justice Department. I well. Yeah, I think I'm it's from the government and I'm here to help you. I understand how people feel about that. Well, but, yeah. I, I <laughs> look, uh, let's, you know, again, we don't have to sort of go down this road too far, but I think part of the issue there is I actually do have faith, uh, or at least some faith. I mean, you know, the, the, the Justice Department has a long history of persecuting people like Martin Luther King Jr., who, you know, should not have been. Uh, subjected to that kind of uh, uh, scrutiny and investigation um, and, uh, you know, surveillance of, uh, you know, uh, the congregations of various mosques in the aftermath of 9-11, just because, you know, like, ooh, Muslims, we're worried about them now. You know, that's... And in my my friends in my age group who, my childhood friends who were in the SDS and who got, yeah. Right, exactly. It, 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 the... the the judicial has done some bad things, but overall, I agree with you that they're they're better than not having one. How's that? <laughs> well, I, I we we absolutely there is a point in having law enforcement in our society, and I'm, you know, uh, for all the the problems with how law enforcement works in this country, you know, we need something, you know, like because we do yeah. still need a, a a civic mechanism for dealing with of violent and dangerous people, you know, and we can't just sort of have it, you know, rest on vigilante justice and, you know, declaring people outlaws like in, you know, Icelandic sagas, because like, you want to talk about like absolute, uh, uh, and, you know, embarrassing failures and tides of violence and bloodshed and revenge. You know, there you go. Like, that's not a standard we want to go back to. But anyway, my, my, I was saying all this because I actually have some faith in the Justice Department right now under President Biden. I really lost a lot of confidence in the Justice Department as overseen by President Trump because he was clearly working to subvert it. And 
it didn't just break and, and become. Was, mm-hmm. And Bill, Bill Barr was not an upstanding citizen, although you'd think he no. was if you saw him on the talk shows this week. Yeah. But yeah, he he was, you know, he t- overturned stuff for Roger Stone. He he changed a lot of, you know, he interfered. He, he, he absolutely interfered in the aftermath uh, or with uh, how the Mueller report uh, landed oh, right. politically, you know, that. like like his summary of it was really desperately inaccurate. And um, uh, yeah, anyway, that, that that that's all kind of water under the bridge. But he, he definitely uh, uh, worked to keep that from becoming a, a prosecution for obstruction of justice and so forth. Um, so yeah. that. So we stipulate we kind of agree that well, there's some bad actors, but overall, the Justice Department is doing what it what they're supposed to. Yes. Uh, and one can criticize what it's supposed to. But that's a separate issue from it being the corrupt tool of, you know, of partisan hackery for whichever uh, uh, faction has currently seized power at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, like, I don't think it is that right now. Um, and as I've I've criticized President Biden before for, you know, ways in which I think he could be doing a better job as president. But I do think he is indeed respecting the gravity of the office and and being serious and scrupulously uh uh you know behaving properly in that respect and i didn't think that was true of president trump and i i gotta say um i you know not a huge fan of george w bush but uh uh and you know as the guy who, who whose administration set up the the uh you know concentration camp at guantanamo bay you know, uh, clearly the rule of law is not a wasn't a be all and end all for them. But I didn't get the impression that, uh, uh, you know, there were a whole bunch of uh, uh, frivolous prosecutions and so forth. But I don't know, even that as actually, as I think back, maybe so. Anyway, regardless, um, uh, I there is, I think, a qualitative difference between how the Biden administration has been operating the Justice Department versus how the Trump administration did before them. So. Um, and I think uh, that's certainly a concern uh, for in the the how Hunter Biden's uh, plea bargain is handled. Um, I, I, I hope they redo it. I hope yeah, they I go back too. to yeah, because the 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 Trump prosecutor was left in pre, in place by Merrick yeah. Garland, yeah. so the same fellow was handling it. But yeah, I, there's there. I think they need to do more, and I I. You know, I say that hesitatingly because I don't think it's good to go after a president's kids. But, man, if they went after um, Hunter Biden, I think they need to look at Jared Kushner. I don't disagree at all. all his money. I don't yeah, disagree at all. They're not going to. I don't think they're going to unless there's some hue and cry for it. Because well, I think they're overtaxed at the moment. Could be. Perhaps. Could be. I, I do think. One of the one of the things I think is is fair to say is it does seem that uh, Hunter Biden actually uh, behaved unethically in his business dealings and uh, may well have broken some laws and certainly was, you know, uh, you know, not controlling his addiction to various narcotics and and, you know, purchasing and, and waving around firearms. So there are there has been criminal wrongdoing on his part from what it seems. So I think it's totally appropriate that there would be a, an investigation and that he would cop to a plea deal for some misdeeds on his part. But I don't know that he's done anything where we need to throw the book at him. And it, like, I haven't seen anything uh, that seems at all credible that, um, you know, this was 
you know, that he was basically a stalking horse or a proxy for uh, uh, Joe Biden to line his pockets as vice president or during the interregnum when he was after he was vice president. So, yeah, um, I think you know. I do think you have to follow the money, but I treat him the same. Yeah. You know, no mugshot for Trump, no mugshot for Hunter Biden. Just kidding. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's, but I there's, think you have to treat him the same. I think there's, you do. there's yeah. lots of lurid photos of Mr. Biden, you know, naked and stoned out of his mind on Coke. So, you know, like, yeah. Um, no, uh, we don't need I, to see that. We don't need to see that of either of those two defendants. Thank you very much. Good God. Oh, uh, now I'm thinking of Stormy Daniels. Okay. Let's yeah. go on to Israel. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's an, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting transition because, um, the concern, you know, like, well, we want to have, uh, uh, we want to avoid the government basically just becoming the playground and partisan apparatus of whatever faction is in charge. You know, we don't want to go back to, you know, 13th century Florence where the Guelphs and the Ghibellines were staging, you know, like whoever could stage a bloody coup and seize power and then stab all their enemies to death, you know, literally, uh, would, have power for a while. You know, I'm glad we don't have that. And I think it's important not to have that. But part of what makes that possible are is the idea of checks and balances, you know, like the president doesn't just get to do whatever, Congress doesn't get to do whatever, uh, and so forth. Um, in Israel, uh, there is no written constitution. And there, I, yeah, I was shocked by that. I didn't know I was that. too. And <laughs> Because of the nature of a parliamentary democracy, they do have a an office of the president uh, to be the ceremonial head of state. But the head of government is also the speaker of the Knesset. So whoever, whichever political party controls the Knesset um, or or faction of parties, whoever the leader of that coalition is, uh, is the prime minister. And basically, what they want the government to do, the government will do. And currently, yes, and only the independence of Israeli of Israel's judiciary uh, prevents that from becoming a a a democratic tyranny. Um, And uh, the, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are in the streets, uh, you know, have been and continue to be for months now in Israel because of a proposal uh, in the Knesset to uh, just uh, basically take away the power of Israel's Supreme Court to uh, review and and potentially strike down decisions of the Knesset as being illegal. Actually, it's past the Knesset. Yes. I think it went over to the judiciary, right, to, to be reviewed, to limit right. their own power. Right. They, they, at least I think there were several measures that were being proposed, uh, and one of them yeah, at least was the past the Knesset. One, the, Right. Yeah, the reasonableness that they can't review a law for reasonableness. No, right on its face, that sounds pretty weird to us. But right, well, when there are no other checks on the power of the legislature, um, I suppose a reasonableness test is uh, not the stupidest thing one's ever heard of. But I mean, this no, is. I was, I was just saying that you would want to not have them review it for reasonableness. I'm saying that would be silly. Right. Well, I, yeah, I kind no, of I agree. agree. This is about the constitution. This is, yeah, this is what we were talking about with Tom Hartman when he was on our show a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's the struggle of on the one hand uh, uh, a judiciary that can say 
yeah, but this isn't consistent with our laws. So this law you've passed, you know, saying, you know, anybody named Michael isn't allowed to buy ice cream. Like what? That's crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know. Like I'm, I, I, I tried to think of the, to pick the worst thing I could imagine. <laughs> so um, <laughs> on a day like today, no wonder it was ice cream. <laughs> right. Exactly. So um uh, you know, like, like what? That's absurd. How, why would that be a thing? Um, you know, and as, as Mr. Hartman pointed out uh, on the one, you know, in, in the end, it's, it might, well, it's probably better to rely on democratic procedures and the, the will of voters to ensure that, uh, uh, you know, we get broad fairness and equity and justice. But the the argument for a judiciary with any independence, which we have here in the U.S., is just, you know, the laws exist to put limits on the powers of the masses of, of the majority expressing its will through the democratically elected government. Uh, tyr- tyranny yeah. of masses over the individual. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, you know, Ben Franklin really famously point. said democracy is three wolves and a, and a lamb voting on what's for dinner um, <laughs> or it can be. And so you can one can see, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound so good for the lamb now, does it? <laughs> so, yeah. well, and, and Israel doesn't have, yeah, go, sorry, please. Well, I was just going to say, so I'm not sure. I think you said something about a time frame when they have to decide or they're going to decide the court in, in the Israel. Court, apparently, uh, I was just uh, looking at the New York Times to get updates on this uh you said something in, not yeah, this September. month i don't think uh, supposedly September. the uh the the court uh seems to intend to hear petitions on this subject in september uh if they then strike it down there's then the problem of okay well the court called the knesset's bluff you know uh justice marshall has made his ruling now let him enforce it is is that going to be yeah. the kind of approach that uh, Bibi Netanyahu is going to take, and yeah. I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't. That put sounds it past like him. a constitutional crisis when you don't have a constitution. <laughs> well, certainly, I mean, they have an informal constitution <laughs> in the way that the, the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland does. They have laws. Yeah, they, they have, have laws, laws and whatever. But yeah, so who knows how that's going to go? If it, if if yeah. something like that happens, it could lead to I don't know. It could lead to escalating violence. Civil War. They're pretty. They're in the streets now, right? That's right. that's happening every and, night. And, yeah. And what will the United States do? I mean, part of the logic, part of the reason why Israel has enjoyed such broad support, both publicly and in in the halls of government uh, amongst both political parties in the United States, is that it is a a parliamentary democracy. Um, and. There are many criticisms to be leveled against Israel for the occupation of the West Bank and uh, uh, for, you know, how the Pal- Palestinian people have been dispossessed. Like that, that's all, you know, I'm not trying to deny that or whatever, but just the idea of like, well, Israel is a democracy. So that gives us some reasons to prefer them to say a, mon- a tyrannical not. monarchy like Saudi Arabia, you know. Um, they may not be a democracy anymore. Right. So. Right, exactly. And and there's an element of this that uh, there's an element of all of this that boils down to uh, Mr. Netanyahu facing three different uh, uh, criminal probes for corruption and bribery. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. What a note to end on. Well, Israel, I hope you do the right thing. 
well, I hope we do the right thing too. <laughs> well, and then we, yeah. And then we have to do the right thing because we send a ton of a pile of money over there to, for them to do bad things to the Palestinians. So, well, anyway, as you yeah, said, we no. shouldn't get into it. Well, I mean, we, we can get into it, but I think well, this, well, this is another one where I think where you and I essentially agree that like, you know, we care about human rights and human dignity and we think everybody has them. So, you know, we want peace and prosperity for, you know, Jews in Israel and Palestinians in Palestine or whatever you want to call that stretch of land. We want the, everybody there to live good, happy, peaceful lives, you know, and and enjoy, you know, liberty and 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 economic prosperity. That sounds great. And I don't I, honestly like I don't entirely care how people arrange things so that they do that. I just would like that for that to be the case. And unfortunately, it's not. And part of that is because of, you know, Israel's armed occupation of the West Bank and, you know, building more settlements to try and sort of effectively annex territory without actually annexing territory. And, you know, all the people sort of confined in the Gaza Strip. It's just, it's not a good situation. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I I I really hate that uh uh you know my tax dollars pay for uh Israeli soldiers you know shooting uh uh protesting teenagers. Um I'm not upset that my tax dollars pay for uh air defense systems that shoot down rockets that are being f- fired into you know civilian populations and cities. Um but I also wish it, they weren't paying for uh rocket counterstrikes flying into Palestinian neighborhoods, you know? Like I just Yeah. <laughs> Give the arms to Ukraine, they need them more. Well, that's certainly true. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Uh why can't we all just get along? <laughs> I remember when that happened to George. George, I was thinking the, of poor uh, Rodney King. Rodney King, sorry. I was thinking George. Rodney King. George Floyd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So all, all too many people. But yeah, I've just, I weirdly just had the Rodney King riots in in my head of late. So, yeah. Uh, well. We haven't uh, come a long way, baby. No, we haven't. Um, but I do hope um, that uh, the turmoil in Israel is something that they can resolve. And I hope we manage to uh, uh, avoid it here in this country because, uh, well, and just to, to end, uh, I I I think it's a it's not a big deal, but at the same time, it's it could be the first it could be a crack in the foundation that uh, was it Fitch the 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 debt rating agency that downgraded yeah, U.S. Fitch. federal debt yeah from triple A to double A plus yeah double A plus yeah and they did it under Obama too right yeah, hard to hard to know well and that but that was in the midst of like oh the U.S. might actually default they're about to default this is. This is something else. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I Long-term hope... fiscal instability is what I heard. That's what they said. Mm. Well, and and yeah. uh, and climate change is going to continue to contribute to that. So that's a that's another thing to worry about. But anyway, uh, I do think we are pretty much at the end of the of the rope here. So um, yeah, Sue, thanks for doing the show with me as usual. Um, it's always yeah. Good this was good. Yeah. Was <laughs> Thank good. God we didn't have that and whole. You have you know, mushy middle genre with this whole like, you know, independence from both parties contaminating thing. 
Yuck. <laughs> well, I like it because you always have the historical perspective, you know, and I'm not, I don't live in that world. So it's like, oh, really? Yeah. We did yeah. this before? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and again, I do recommend uh, Rachel Maddow's done two excellent podcasts looking at uh, relevant interest, uh, relevant events in in, in U.S. history. Uh, uh, she did uh, Bagman a few years ago at the Sparrow Agnew scandal and Ultra about uh, uh, you know attempted Nazi subversion in the 1930s. So that's has some relevance today. Obviously, not the same. We don't have you know a Nazi Germany right now. So thank God for that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for Civil Politics tonight here on Valley Free Radio. Coming up next, we got Subculture, followed by Table of Contents at 10 and OK Asia at midnight. Uh, we have a podcast of this show, which is going to be uh, available tomorrow morning. Uh, and we also do have a repeat broadcast on Mondays at four in the afternoon. Also, you know, go to civilpoliticsradio.com. Listen to recordings of previous episodes of the show and supplementals and stuff like that. It's all good fun. Um, yeah. So thanks. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.